You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to One To Me You, brought to you by Trust Records. In this episode, we have Walter Schreifels and Jason Peterson chatting it up from a secret room above the metro in Chicago, Illinois. Allegedly, it's a spot where the notorious gangster Al Capone hung out. Walter founded Gorilla Biscuits, Quicksand, and Rival Schools, among other influential bands. He plays in Youth of the Day, was in Warzone, grew up in Queens, New York, writes and produces great music, and is into running. Jason is a talented black and white photographer. He grew up in Arizona and was in a hardcore band called Youth Under Control, which later became Winds of Change. Jason and Walter met in the late 80s through their love of music. Jason now resides in Chicago and runs an ad agency called The Times. The music you hear in this episode is the song Brushed from the Quicksand album Distant Populations. This episode was also filmed and you can watch it on the Trust Records YouTube channel. I want to go back a little bit on the thing because I want to go back to the 16-year-old. Like, I, I need to know this. Is like, how the fuck is this nice kid mm-hmm. from Queens in Warzone? I want to know what, what was a Warzone practice yeah, like? Yeah, that's what I felt. Warzone had, you know, we're going through different lineups and um, uh, Todd from Warzone joined Murphy's Law. So then t- uh, Rabies was just a little bit kind of stuck for, for players. And I think... Shit, I don't know who asked me. Maybe maybe it asked Arthur Smilios, okay. and I, I'd have to check this with him. And he couldn't do it or something, or he he did do it do it for a while. I actually don't remember how I got asked to be in Warzone, but I was like, holy shit, this is big time. Yeah. I better not fuck this up. Did you think it was big time, or were you scared? Like, Both. Like, tell me, what was the first Warzone practice like? like uh, where it was, was it? What was it like? It was on Avenue B. I mean, Avenue B at that time like was it was rough. not where i was going by myself no. like it was scary yeah that's like what 85 6 uh six? it would have been 87 87 86 yeah. 87 avenue b in 1987 is not yeah i mean okay. it, it could have been worse but it's not where i was going by myself no. you know and so but going there with rabies i felt like well i'm You're fine, fine. Yeah. Like no one's gonna fuck with me. Yeah. And so uh, we went to this this rehearsal studio, which is kind of famous, called Tucasa, and um, and it was me, uh, I guess Arthur, and I asked Luke Abbey to play drums. Right. Uh, and Batmite, who is the original one of the original guitar, guitar players, players, and his girlfriend, who was uh, gosh, what was her name? Uh, she was gorgeous. She was uh, she was dancing with the Beastie Boys at this time. She was okay. one of the, the dancers the in the cage, cage on, uh, yeah. on on License to Ill. I guess I knew the songs to some degree, and yeah. it just sounded fucking awesome. I mean, it was like me and Luke from Grill Biscuits, and Arthur was playing guitar, I think. Yeah, and uh, and it was cool. And Ray was just like super 
cool and and uh you know i i definitely saw him as like there was that time of the guys that were in the scene in the early 80s yeah. that just like saw some shit like yeah you know i mean it was just a different kind of thing yeah and so you know it felt cool to like kind of have rabies as a sort of you know guide through some of that yeah how did how did that end like how did it stop well i had another like awesome awesome uh more dream come true is that youth today like craig left the band right. and so uh i forgot i was playing a show maybe with warzone and after the show richie and purcell came up to me and said hey would you be interested in playing youth today and at that time youth today it's like hard to no. really explain like how awesome yeah they were and yeah. they were they were like the you know the rolling stones to me like yeah it was the, i couldn't have been more psyched and rave was luckily you know i didn't get beat up or anything for it no but i was nervous like shit how am i going to tell ray that i'm and did you tell ray i did i did yeah i mean we're, you know you say we're going on tour so it's like what am i gonna how can i say no like to going on a united states tour with youth of today yeah like i'm just doing it whatever happens i'm i'm doing yeah. it ray was cool to me he gave for some shit yeah but um uh and so, and that tour is so amazing. And so I think it's probably when I met you yeah. in, in A7. So yeah, I got the, the people that I met on that tour, like so many of them, you know, I'm, I'm friends with many of them, in contact with many of them, but so many of them went on to do like interesting shit because they were like into interesting shit at that time as yeah. kids. And that didn't end there, yeah. you know, for them. And so, so that tour was like- It was kind of that DIY aesthetic put onto these young kids that they've sort of applied to their lives, right? Yeah. You know? And and yeah, just like, you know, taking pictures, forming bands, you know, printing t-shirts, making record labels. Like when we were playing that on that tour, each the shows weren't big, but we would every city we would hit, we would see like, you know, a little vanguard of kids yeah. that were already into it. Yeah. And we'd play the show and the rest of the scene would just be like kind of converted. Because the yeah. band was that that good problem. i mean i don't want to seem like we're just like we're so awesome you know i don't want yeah. to like over glorify no, it. i was there i lived it and saw it it was just mean? real i mean yeah. that's how that's how it affected me yeah even the change from when youth of today first came when kevin seconds was playing drums when mm -hmm. the seven when the seven inch came out so all you saw the potential there but when you came back with that lineup mm -hmm. it was it was a whole nother level of, of experience you know yeah i mean it was just like this you know, there was like a message to it. It was something that you could join up to. Yeah. You know, that you could like be a part of some sort of, uh, you know, positive movement for youth, you know, yeah. and, uh, and but it didn't seem corny. It was because it was like- No, because it was earnest and it was real. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, <laughs> and everyone in it was just like funny and talented and, and you know, fucked up in different ways. That's what yeah. hardcore collects people like that that yeah. don't fit. Yeah. Um, so- uh, that was, a, that was how a does cool it feel experience. like on those things of like and i don't really think they're reunions you know i was talking to sam earlier mm -hmm. about it it's like no it's youth of today mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like coming back and playing those songs and doing it mm -hmm. and still having that energy and that sort of feeling mm -hmm. like what is that like for me like my role in it i'm just like embodying a spirit that i still relate to yeah. you know like for me i think i have the funnest job in the band because like I have the, this bass that is so light and yeah. awesome to yeah. play and yeah. it's not demanding like the music. It's not musically demanding. Yeah. So in Youth Today, I can just go off as much as my, my body will allow me to. Yeah. And to just every single movement is in the mode, which I felt at the time of just transforming uh the audience the people in the audience, not only over, not so much over to our side, but to, um, towards more positive things, you yeah. know, to like lift people.
Yeah. And, um, and that energy is just an awesome energy to be riding. And I think like Ray still has that spark and is still, I mean, charisma would be too small of a way to say it, but he's just able to, he's such a messenger yeah. to contextualize like certain uh, bits of wisdom and yeah. match it to this music yeah. that's so energetic. So yeah, I mean, dude, we're old. We're not, obviously I'm not crazy about that, but it's yeah. like the, that, that, the fact that we are able to still kind of hitch on to that spirit and I think that that still exists. It's crazy because you feel it and see it too like you like you we might be old mm -hmm. but you don't look old up there doing it like it really feels like transformative time travel in a way. You yeah. Know what I mean? it's, it's insane. I, I I really love doing it yeah. and, and it's like it's not about uh, trying to relive some sort of glory but I, I, I feel that it's like a connection down to that it still transcends, it transcends yeah. all these ages. And it's just yeah. like, and I love that about it. I'm, I'm super psyched that. Yeah, and to me it's like, just way. as like someone who grew up in that scene or part of it, like it, it really is that. Like it feels like it's the root of you and, and it's part of like the shared yeah. sort of DNA with it. And I think people that weren't part of the scene may enjoy and go, oh, this is great, but I don't know if they really feel that sort of like this, that sort of like spirit of that time. You know, I think, I think it, I think sometimes like I was thinking the bad brains, like when they were the soul brains, yeah. you know, like people get yeah. bummed out on the bad brains. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just remember seeing those, the soul brains Yeah. and at Irving Plaza Yeah. or even at a fun, fun, fun festival and people like, oh, you know, HR is not, you know, doing backflips yeah. or whatever like that. Yeah. I was just thinking if there was the, a band of like, you know, these like old like uh, Rasta dudes from DC playing this kind of music that we never heard of called the Bad Brains. Everyone would be bugging about away. it. We'd be yeah. blown even that they're yeah. old, you know yeah. what I mean? So there's something about that energy that is just a, a bug out, you know, like people yeah. don't even know what youth today is like, who is this? What is this Ray talking? This, this man is like telling, like preaching in a way that is like, well, preaching, sure. It's just like, He's just sort of elevating people. I don't know. Yeah. I, I get into it. I just I, do, I, I play the role 100%. Yeah. And I just surround, I'm just fully engaged yeah. and I love it. Afterwards I feel like sort of No, I can see that like you see how much fun you're having kind of doing yeah. that and kind of, you know, you know as much as anyone. So it's it's awesome. Yeah. I want to talk about this a little okay. bit, right? I want to yeah. talk about like cuz again, I'm going to say this. This is easily without debate no matter what genre of hardcore you're into mm -hmm. you're straight as new york emo whatever it is this is in the top 10 hardcore albums ever mm -hmm. hands down it's undebatable right mm -hmm. but um not just the music and the originality around it mm -hmm. which which is undeniable mm -hmm. especially in that scene but like the iconography within mm -hmm. it right mm -hmm. like the the name the gb mm -hmm. the gorilla like from from an art point of view and, and a, an icon point of view mm -hmm. like did you have your hands deep in that and understanding that I wanted this vision, I wanted this mark, I wanted that, you know, point of view. Yeah, for you're sure. You're a hardcore band with a mascot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, the, 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 one of the cool things about uh, hardcore and punk as I discovered it is the iconography, like the DK, yeah. the black flag bars, yeah. uh, the circle jerk dude, yeah. um, or the youth today fist. Yeah. Uh, you needed that really to, to you know, you couldn't, every band couldn't just like make a t-shirt at the time. Yeah. Like it wasn't that easy. You had yeah. to like- Have your unique look. You had uniform choices, the bar of t-shirts, right? Yes, so like, holy shit, they're, they're great. Yeah. Uh, they were next level. Yeah. Um, but for us with GB, it was like, at first it was the just the GB and yeah. we had this little guy that yeah. we, uh, my brother kind of 
changed a few things from uh, from this other drawing uh, was a Walt Disney drawing. This just to make a character. Yeah. And um, and then we were very fortunate that when I mean Gorilla Biscuits just kind of calls for a gorilla to be drawn. Yeah. And so uh, with our first seven inch, uh, Brian Clark drew the gorilla. And um, when it came back, I was like, okay, we're good. We've yeah. got our circle jerk, man. We've yeah. got our, uh, it's because like, kind of like we're saying about distant populations, the artwork for there, it's like, here you have this character that yeah. can, can live out on the, can live on the Lower East Side safely yeah. and can just, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, do the right thing down there yeah. and no one can really fuck with him. And yeah. so our music fills that, that idea and, yeah. um, and, you know, I, I didn't know it at the time that it would carry on so far right, and into have the that future. weight kind of, you know, forever. Yeah, you know, that right? it's just like you put that gorilla head on anything yeah. and it kind of looks cool. Yeah. Um, he, uh, but I knew that the record cover was solid and that, and I think yeah. in any hardcore band, you need to, if you don't have that, some bands don't have it, it's a, not an advantage. Yeah. You know, uh, some bands will have like a good logo and that's the best thing the band's got going for them. Right. Um, you know, which you take what you can get. Yeah. Um, but I think that the tradition of, uh, you know, hardcore logos, I think very much like when you think about being in school, like uh, at that age, you know, people would have these like, you know, uh, folders, you know, or drawing whatever. them on your and you'd be drawing like drawing fucking Led Zeppelin or a band yeah. or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like as a kid. So I think that that hardcore thing really took that. Like, I don't know how many times I drew the black flag bars on, right. on my notebook or yeah. whatever. And I think that that, that kind of like sort of cave drawing, but you know, for little kids, like yeah. is the, is the, is the, is the way that, um, these things are just like, you know, and then with tattooing and stuff, so many people get like, you know, the misfit skull tattooed yeah. on her or whatever, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that is the, the language. Yeah. And, um, and it connects to like graffiti and all these kind of things that I think in the eighties, like being a teenager in the eighties, a lot of these things were, especially that we, I wouldn't say we take for granted now today because they're absolutely essential to like, you know, branding, marketing, et cetera. Yeah. Cause the people that were teenagers in the eighties are now like Running guiding these things. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that that's when it was starting to like really coalesce and, and, and become a thing to where you see like this Gorilla Biscuit record on Revelation, like all the Revelation records were just tight. Like each yeah. one just looked like a new episode in this like larger story arc. Yeah. And that is, you want to be a part of each episode sort of. Yeah. And when you were a part of so many of them, it's kind of crazy, mm, you know, mm. you're a thread that ran through so many of them. Yeah. What's with the, tell me about the art for the new album, new project and all of that. The art for the Quicksand record, um, there's a cool like comic book sort of illustrated novel store around the block from my place in Williamsburg called Desert Island. And I would go in there just like look at stuff and, and uh, Tetsunori uh, Nariara is the artist and I found out about him there. And I think for the record, we wanted to have something that uh, Sergio, our bass player, kind of just put forward this sort of like monster image. Yeah. And um, I think that Tetsunori's monsters are kind of awesome and kind of creates a, an atmosphere that you can, you know, take the music sort of out of the real world and put it in this sort of like fantasy kind of world that's, I mean, you know, like if you look at an Iron Maiden album or something like that, it's like the music exists in this sort of like eddy science. You yeah, know, not, it's not science fiction. It's more like uh, like horror, almost. horror. Yeah. But this is more like 
it's more Star Trekky or something. I don't know. Yeah, but it is that kind of thing. I think the Iron Maiden thing is a good reference. Yeah. You know, or even the other things of like, especially us kind of growing up, like listening to an album and looking at the artwork. Yeah. Like it really is that almost analog music video sort of effect, right? You want, yeah. I mean, we want it to be like that idea of like looking at a record and thinking about, oh, what's this dude doing? Like, what what's going on here? And the music is no longer. Um, tied to the real world as much and yeah. so the songs can have like take on a, a different sort of uh vibe and it's also fun and um we wanted it to be fun yeah um did you like all, all the other quicksand albums and eps and stuff like how how do the art how does the art play a sort of role in the, in the experience of those records um i guess initially just kind of playing off of uh, i think initially quicksand was trying to play off some of the you know the revelation kind of like iconography like the 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 sort of like template of what revelation records was which yeah. had really kind of was so strong and kind yeah. of but we had like wanted to like go against that so just like sort of randomness at first yeah. um and do you then, think do you think that's a thing because it's going to get into the the other things like do you think there's a randomness and a different like you always have a you always throughout your career You've always retained this relevance with the bands that you're in, but there's always a real uniqueness. Mm. You know what I mean? You don't just emulate the things, the scenes that you're part of. You're always bringing something new and different to mm -hmm. it. You know? Um, I think just coming from where we came from, like being in like a, in a, in a small scene that kind of got big. Yeah. Um, you know, the bands that, you know, I guess Gorilla Books was the main thing that I was kind of like the engine behind. Like yeah. I never felt we fit in in the first place. Like we just kind of made a place for ourselves, created a lane yeah. for ourselves because, um, you know, our name was so strange, didn't really like work with all the other bands that were kind of had sort of. But how, I guess this is the thing that's always like interested me because it's like, how did you do that? Like, how did you have that restraint? You know, like I met you, mm -hmm. you were probably like a 16 year old kid mm -hmm. playing in Youth of Today, whatever, mm -hmm. long shorts, like mm -hmm. straight edge guy, mm -hmm. right? But then you come up with this band, Gorilla Biscuits, mm -hmm. Okay, it's named after a street drug and this yeah. sort of thing. And the graphics and iconography were completely foreign to what was going on. But then it becomes the center of the scene. Like, I, think, I think we did good with, um, I think in the end, the name was good because it was fun, you know? So it kind of gave us more space to, to kind of do other, like to approach it from a, a different direction than a lot of the stuff that we were doing. And I saw that maybe initially it, was, it wasn't like we were calling it after a street drug to like be edgy it just yeah. sounded funny yeah you know what i mean so i think it's a sense of humor that we had that in this sort of new york world um and definitely the straight edge world you know like a counterbalance to the seriousness of say youth today where the the youth today thing is like very like you know says yeah. what it means yeah uh gorilla biscuits had a little bit more nuance and i think maybe a broader appeal in that it wasn't as uh sort of like didactic and like you know finger pointing do you, do you think was that something calculated that you want yeah because it feels like it was it, it feels like it was but obviously it's super authentic yeah but like i don't it sounds earnest but it's like there's it was a very brave step to take in everything you do do, do you know what i mean like what drives that like how does that work i think i was lucky to get successful to to the degree that I you know that is in the world of like whatever hardcore punk like that we had gotten gained acceptance in that and then um, just kind of felt 
that I would want to react against each thing that I would do. So, uh, you know, quicksand was kind of a reaction yeah. to the sort of status quo of what was going on with like this hardcore straight edge thing, not to be like against it, yeah. but just to, 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 bring you to step, to yeah, to, to create a new context, you know, yeah. a different look. And, um, and then that w had some success to like, you know, to continue that story to where each thing that I'm doing is, is sort of stepping hopefully forward, but at least into a different realm than the last. And I don't really feel super tethered to one kind of style. Like I'm much, much more interested in like the possibility of like, I like all kinds, of, you know, I don't, th I don't think it's so strange, but I like all kinds of music, you know right. what I mean? It's just that I kind of learned how to do it in terms of, you know, um, making records, et cetera, in this sort of like punk rock context. But I'm, you know, I love, I love every kind of thing, yeah. you know? You know, I mean, I think the other thing to me is that's really interesting about your career is like you've never disappeared. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like we were talking about like you know some of the hardcore bands we grew up with. Mm -hmm. Like they were landmark in that thing, and they mm -hmm. sort of got older and disappeared, and then they come back. Oh, they're doing other thing. Mm -hmm. Like Walt, you've never gone away. You've mm -hmm. always been there making this music mm -hmm. in its own unique way. Mm. You know, like what? Like, has there ever been a period where you haven't made music? I think there's been music periods where I was quiet. There was one period after. Uh, Quicksand had broken up and they picked up my option. Yeah. And I was in a sort of major label sort of like demo land. Right. So I wasn't playing that much, but I was making, making demos music. and making music, but it just wasn't getting out. And ultimately that kind of manifested in, uh, ultimately in rival schools. Right. And a lot of songs on the internet. Yeah. But in terms of like me playing and, and, and creating, no, that's been a, a constant. I mean, it, it's... Uh, and I, I feel like super fortunate to, to like have been able to, to do that. Yeah. What makes you like, cause I, again, I, your solo album and a lot of the internet songs mm. are my favorite. Like, oh, I, no, I, you know, like I love that stuff. Like I'm a fanboy with that shit. Mm -hmm. Cause again, like there's a root that's rooted in hardcore that mm -hmm. I feel part of, mm -hmm. but then there's also a uniqueness and a, almost a vulnerability in the mm -hmm. songs that makes it so amazing to mm -hmm. me as from a creative thing. But how do you decide if you want to have a band? Um, a lot of the things would be, uh, well, I think there's also like when you're with people, you create different sounds. So your, your idea of how something should be like can be lifted and kind of adds the, the, the energy of that, you know, the friction between different people, like, or, or that, that combination that kind of takes it to another place and where you create like, you know, like quicksand, I'll come in with an idea for a song. Like, I'll be like, he should play that, he should play that, he should play that, and it's the perfect song. I bring it in, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Because like, there's what the creativity of the other people bring. So in the end, you create that space and then you have something else that has that much more of a unique sound. Um, and then, but sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I just want to like, really have it be like how I want. Well, then the, the challenge is then to either communicate that to other people or manifest it yourself. Like in my solo album, I play pretty much everything save for the drums and sometimes the drums. Um, and so I feel that that came together really well, but it was challenging in, to, in, in that, you know, if I play the bass part, like I want, I have to play the bass part the way I want it. And like, right. what way do I want it? You know what yeah. I mean? And that's like another challenge. So it's all just like, you know, looking at, you have like some sort of like itch in, in your head of like something that you want to kind of create outside of yourself. 
and the, and the song is is the thing right. and the song is like going to be like you know get in your head you know or or get into somebody that you don't know's head and that maybe creates a situation where i go traveling and then by traveling i'm meeting different people i'm doing different things and all this kind of activity sparks and that's for me that's life you yeah. know no i mean to me there's a similarity to pe- between that and like photography and creativity and that mm-hmm. sort of thing of like searching and finding something and making it you know and putting those pieces together and knowing when it's done is when you kind of feel and experience it that way you know yeah when it's done you're kind of like cool like and and you know with with the varying degrees of like all right i freaking nailed it or like this is cool but you know i wish that was different or you know so that you have that relationship to it but then ultimately you have to let it go and as soon as you let that go then you're kind of like whatever the satisfaction of having like manifested that thing still exists to a degree but then pretty soon after i start thinking well what's the next thing that i want to do yeah how can i top that or how can i uh yeah what's the next thing to say yeah i think it's that constant kind of pursuit of yes. like never resting and that sort of thing and you feel it in your career and your music of like it's always another sort of thing which is mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. but it's like it's yourself that drives you that way right yeah i mean i think it's like most people in the world i think one of the things that you know maybe it's my point of view but people are desperate to have a sort of a function and sometimes you know that manifests in like what they do for work you yeah. know or whatever like it you know but sometimes it doesn't it doesn't people just don't know what they want to do yeah. and and so they just kind of you know, find it in other things or a hobby or something like that. But I was lucky to be like, oh, I was 16. The thing that I thought was cool was the thing that I did. And then that just kind of like led into a point where I was like, holy shit, like I do this. Like this is who I am. And like, this is my talent, like actually manifesting into like my life. When did you realize that? When did you realize this is what I'm doing? Probably in my 30s. In your 30s. Yeah. Because up until then, were you like, I don't know, maybe I'm going to go to law school or do whatever? Yeah. I mean, it it just didn't ever seem like, well, I'm going to make it in show business. Like, I just never never had that that audacity or or, or just kind of, you know, uh, it wasn't like that for me. I definitely had goals, you know, that I would go for. But it was more like, I want this to exist. I want this to happen. I want to like go there or do that. So, you know, that was happening through music. But I mean, to say like, shit, I'm a professional musician or, you know, I'm an artist really. Yeah. Yeah. And like really understanding that, um, yeah, I'm not a musician. No one's hiring me for my music ability. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm creating things. Yeah. And, and that was something that I didn't really see until my 30s when I said, well, well, I guess that's really what I'm doing. So yeah. it doesn't, I might as well acknowledge it. Like what's, what's, the ne- what's next? I don't know. I'm really, it, it's been nice, I think, with uh, the lockdown to just slow down quite yeah. a bit and not to have to um, go to the airport or really concern myself with that too much. Yeah. Uh, but we got this album in the can and yep. I'm really happy with how it came out. So yep. I, I've been kind of content focusing in on quicksand right yeah. now and just giving, letting that uh, be my thing. And, um, you know, stuff opens up. I, I'm always like in a creative mode, but I'm not like, um, I, I'm also just kind of appreciating the moment. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. 
So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.